Anyway, I got out of the car and ran up to the top of the steps. And as soon as I got up to the top of the steps, I was looking towards, I was looking towards this windmill that was beside Kilpapple Hill, the burial site. And all of a sudden, this lightning comes straight down and comes right across the sky. I was like, wow, that's, wow. And then just seconds later, it happened again. I was like, wow, this is, you know, this is out of this world. And then it went about 100 metres down that direction to the right and happened again. And then it, ha it happened several times right around about me. Now remember, and it's absolutely horrible, the, the rain and the, the dampness in the air was really... And I watched this lightning go... Now there is, um, there is a few um, fault lines that run up the hills and ley lines that run up the hills. As that finished, I looked and the damp I could see for miles. And I looked up and there was a massive round cloud. It must have been off 15, well, 10 mile in circumference, basically. And it was bubbling. It had a kind of... You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Always a blessing to be with you today. I've got a very special guest on the show today. He's all the way over there in Scotland with a very thick Scottish accent, he says. I might repeat a few things he says if it's a little bit illegible for people. And Gavin Dale, thank you. Welcome to the show, Gavin. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Carl. <laughs> so Gavin tells me that he's been pooping his pants over this. He used, he used another word, <laughs> but I'm cleaning it up a bit because yeah. he's very nervous about sharing his story. He, um, he he sent me an email saying, you know, I want to share my story, but wasn't really clear about what he wanted to share. So I'm I'm quizzing him like, what is it that you want to share? And I'm like, at some point, I've just got to stop quizzing people and just go, yeah, all right, like, let's do it. So. <laughs> Thanks for having the courage to come on and share your story, Gavin. Well, thank you, Karen, for letting me, giving me the chance to come on here and uh, share what I've got to share. <laughs> and please remember, if you're liking the shows, to like and subscribe on whatever platform you're on. I just noticed on Spotify today, there's people that have been making comments on Spotify. I actually didn't even know that you could do that. And I'm like, I've never even looked at them or answered them. So please excuse me if you're listening on Spotify and I haven't replied to your comment I actually try to and I don't even know how to do that yet so if you don't hear from me on whatever platform you're on and you're sending me comments just send me an email or um or you know connect with me on Facebook or one of those sort of major platforms I'm quite big on messenger we've got a the inner sanctum chat group on messenger which Gavin just joined recently where people share a lot of stuff okay so let's get into this Gavin let me just tell you a little bit about Gavin. He's um, He sent me lots of information, but I've got it down. Gavin Dow has experienced many synchronicities and paranormal experiences over his life, and today he's going to share some of these experiences with us. Gavin feels his purpose is to help people shift into the new age of Aquarius by way of their own light. Even if it helps just one person, Gavin says, I've done my job. There will be people out there who are going through the same or similar experiences and may not be handling it well, Gavin says. I'm here to let them know that they're not alone in this new world, even if it saves just one life. And it isn't nice when others, including family and friends, disown you, I believe. People finding their own identification through listening to other people's stories can give hope to those suffering and give them the will to go on and hopefully put them on a more positive path, Kevin says. He's got a book. He's written his experiences in a book and his book is called In Search of the Lost Chord. And you've got here, it's featured in Paranormal 
Case Files of Great Britain, Volume 4 by Malcolm Robbins. What's that all about, Gavin? Robinson. Robinson. It's just one of my, my stories that's in the book that it's not my full book. It's just one of the stories with Anna. All righty. So where do we want to start? Well, I'm Gavin, as Karen says, and I've had a problem with alcohol and drugs basically all my life. I've joined AA, um, that's Alcoholics Anonymous, when I was 17 was the first time I went in there. I'd used a lot of drugs and alcohol before that time, probably from about 12 or 13, 12, aye, 12. And that carried on till I was 17, you know. It just got worse, even when I was at school. I had, the only thing I wanted at school was alcohol. Uh, teachings, English, maths. I wasn't the brightest of kids, so um, these things I left behind. I, was, I wasn't too bright, I wasn't too smart or clever in, in the school. It didn't bother me whatsoever. Uh, I liked my woodwork and you know, the craft and design. I even like cooking, which uh, a lot of a lot of guys don't don't like, you know. Nowadays, like I don't do anything. My wife does it all. And that's that's her choice to do that. We've got four children, uh, living with, and these are the children, the, the youngest ones, 21. So it's usually where we are today and this climate um, that I've got kids that, that age up to 30 that's living in the house, you know, money's not too good. So we're all together like the old days when, uh, you know, there was many families that had a lot of kids living in the living rooms and such like after the war, during the war and after the war. So I think we're back to them days again. We still have a cup of tea and a cup of coffee. I've got to start at the beginning of my story because it's, it's all connected to synchronicities through my life that I'm still finding out about. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know everything. I'm definitely not finished going through what I'm going through, that's for sure. Things are happening uh, pretty regular that at the time I don't understand and then sometime later, you know, days, weeks, months, something will happen and I'll be like, ah, that's where that connects to. But I'll go back to the beginning. I did say I was an alcoholic, and I entered uh, AA when I was 17, and I didn't do too well. I'd done six weeks, which was, I was pretty happy with, and I I got on well with the the people in there. They loved me. I was like a small child, you know, for them to cuddle in A, and, uh, you know, they carried me when I couldn't walk myself, you know, and when I could walk myself, they held my hand. They loved me, basically, you know, and that I've carried throughout my life. It's just that feeling that I got. I became a part of something that I didn't know that was going to carry on throughout my life. My second time I went into Alcoholics Anonymous, um, I found my higher power, I found my God. During the process of finding my higher power, I had to go through a programme of action. And this programme of action asked me to, uh, to lay out my defects, the good pieces of me and the bad pieces of me. Uh, and that took me right back to my childhood. I really, really done a further cleansing in my cell at that point. Uh, and I, it took me back as far as uh, I was born in Coventry, and I'm living in Scotland. My mother and father and family come from Scotland. They ran a club, a pub, where you go dancing and have pints of beer and stuff like that. And that was, I must have been about four years old. And I can, I can so remember, so vivid in my mind, as me going up to my mother's side at the table, and I'm smaller than the table, but I can see all the happiness and the joy and the dancing. And I just felt, it felt special. It's what I remember about the moment that 
activates my memories of alcohol throughout my life. I went up to my mother's side, smaller than the table, so I was, and I pulled on a shirt, you know, and I, I looked up, and my mother's looking down, going, hey, what is that? And I was like, can I get some of that? And I'm pointing up to the glasses on the table, and my mother comes in, aye, aye, just a weed wrap, just a, a little drop. And I can't even remember drinking it. It was probably uh, a shandy, we call them over here, a big glass of lemonade with a touch of beer in it. It wouldn't have been any anything special, but the feeling I got when my mother says, ah, yes, just a wee drop, that was amazing. I can look back now and feel a part of that, a part of that place, a part of the singing and the dancing and everything that was going on at that point. I can remember it so clear. And I must have, I'm only four years old here. I became part of what was happening. I felt loved, basically. I felt wanted. Now, I'm moving on a few years, and it was 1978 World Cup football. Uh, for us being Scottish, it was a Scotland and Peru game that was getting played. And I can remember my father walking in with a big can of beer, and I can remember him standing in the middle of the, in the, middle of the living room with this can, can of beer. He was just in the door. And I thought, Dad, can I get some of that? No, was how he said that. And it was like, huh. And that's all I can remember about that. But when I went through this program, I found out that that was a resentment. And it was a way as soon as I said it, or so I thought, until I went through this program. And the, the deeper I went, the further, I, I, the deeper I went, the cleaner I got, the clearer I got, because I was getting rid of all this, you know, just that one small resentment over small resentments like that throughout my life built this fear, this wall, this barrier that kept me hidden. It kept me withdrawn. I just felt lonely. I felt lonely all my life. I've never fitted in anywhere. Like a, a square peg in a round pole, somebody tell me, you know? And I was like, right, that fits me because I don't fit anywhere. That's where I had to go back to, um, to find out where uh, the, the illness, what I suffer from, came from. But that's not what this is about. You know, I wasn't, a, I wasn't the best of father. Uh, I, was, I wasn't a, a good husband, I didn't. I cared for nobody except for myself. I was a selfish son of a bitch, basically. And I didn't know. I didn't know I was. It was just part of my journey. I can remember having a couple of dreams when I was younger. I was in, I was in um, Coventry in England living, and I must have been about mm, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, and we were moving up to, up to Scotland, back up to Scotland. And it was, it was a really strange dream. It was like there was, obviously I was in bed, but there was like two white bears, two white bears, come down, and took me up, and I could, I can see the, I can see the roads and the houses, and they were carrying, they were carrying me along, floating. So I was in them, you know, in the sky. So that happened the first night. The second night, it happened again. The third night, it happened again. And each of the dreams was completely different. I know what I've just told you there is all that I've seen. The three, the three times I've drank this was all that I've seen. But intuitively, I knew there was more to it. Like every time I had the dream, there was something different that I didn't see, that I couldn't see in it. It was just that beginning, getting lifted up with these two white bears, flying across the houses, and then it's it's gone. Now, when I moved up to 
when I moved up to Scotland, within a month or two, I had the exact same dream or dreams over the three nights, getting lifted up out my bed into the sky with these two white bears. And I always, uh, it was something I can always remember because it was, it was really strange, especially when I had the second one when I moved up to Scotland. And I was only, what, nine or ten years old? Why I'm saying this is because of these aspects in my young life do come in as synchronicities in my older life, you know, um, like now, for instance. You know, there's two aspects there to that. There's the elevation from these, uh, the white bears, and there's also the, my alcoholism with my, my mother and father. Didn't put these together for quite some time. Um, it wasn't long after that before I started taking alcohol. You know, as I said, alcohol ran through my mother and father's family. I, I, I totally believe now that this um, is not, it can run through families or it can come on itself. But for me, it's, it runs through my family. The drinking drugs, really, really, I loved it. I loved everything about it. It took me away from myself. I felt as if I was a part of something, the people that I was going about with and that. I felt wanted. It's as simple as that. I did, I just felt wanted. I became the man. I became something, you know. I came out of school and that's what I did. I went straight into even harder, harder stuff, you know. Um, and... I didn't know nothing about God or a higher power or anything like this. And not long before I went in, first time into Alcoholics Anonymous, my auntie and my uncle had died pretty close to each other. And I, I felt my mother's pain, you know, I felt my mother's pain. And with that, I wrote, <laughs> I wrote a poem. It just come out of the blue. I know nothing about gods or anything. My mother, my mother was uh, a member of the. Oh, I can't remember what the name it is. Is it Silver Star? And my father was through uh, the Masonic Hall, but they spoke nothing about it. When I was born, they weren't part of it anymore. And so I know nothing about God or higher powers or spiritualism or anything like that. So, what was the poem that you wrote? Right, thank you. Um, it's only a short one. Through leaf and stream to eternal life, there shall I find the golden light to rest in peace above the gods, to serve the God above all gods. Did that come out of nowhere? Well, that was, I love music. Music has built my life, basically. My life's been built around about music. And that but was kind of a mixture of a band called Wishbone Ash, and probably David Bowie. Um, just just ideas from them to but that sort of thing ran throughout my life. I'm trying to I'm trying to move on here and try and get as much as I can. Uh, and and for the viewers like uh, so my young age was built of alcohol, drugs, and Basically, I was an asshole. You know, I became nothing. I was nothing. <laughs> I was, I had an ego the size of the Empire State Building, and I had an inferiority complex just the same size. So, what that one, you know, and that went through my life. That went through my life as too. Um, Anyway, when we moved to Bathgate, I went back into Alcoholics Anonymous and I found my God, I found my higher power. And that's such a beautiful experience. Um, I've never felt nothing like it in my life before. Love, so profound. I couldn't understand it. I knew it, but I couldn't understand it at the time because, as I said, I knew nothing about God. I can remember sitting in a meeting after about six weeks or so and I was sitting in this meeting, you know, round about the meeting rooms, there's slogans, keep it simple, live and let live, 
listen to learn, learn to listen. Simple things like that, you are no longer alone. And these things I could understand. They read a program, uh, Action and Alcohol, the 12 Steps Alcoholics and Honours. That was slightly beyond me as such. And they gave me cards to read. And I did. I read them and read them and read them, maybe four or five times a day. So I really programmed myself with these things. I was told to sit down, shut up and listen. Take the cotton wool out your ears, Gavin, and stick it in your mouth. And I thought, right, I can do that. Very, very hard it was to do that. <laughs> because I knew everything. You know, I know all. I knew F all, basically, you know. All I knew was drugs, alcohol, and music. And I can remember this night sitting in this meeting and saying to um, somebody that was taking me about at the time who was in the fellowship. And I, I can remember saying to him, who is this God to keep? Well, the mention every now and again, they don't speak about it too much. It's just mentioned. It's like a secret that's only to be told at certain times, you know. Um, and I found that very, like, I want to know. I wanted to know everything there is to know. And I kept on it. I'm like, who is, who is that? He says, don't worry about that just now. Just do, take a look, just listen and see what's going on round about you. I was only uh, 20 years old at the time. But me being the obsessive me, on the road home that night, I said to him, so what's the name of this God? And by this time, he was so fed up, he banged his hand on the dashboard, and he said to me, Gavin, see if you want to know who God is. Go home and put your hands together and ask. And I was like, ask who? He says, just ask. I was like, well, he says, Gavin, I can be a light bulb if you want. He says, just ask. So I went home that night, put my hands together, and I wasn't, I wasn't quite comfortable with that position, you know? So I lay in the bed, I shut the curtains, turned the music off, lights off, I was in total darkness as I started to say to this thing, if you're there, if you're there, come into my life. And my face, I knew my face lit up like a red light bulb. The room must have lit up with the embarrassment I felt doing this. But it got easier after a, a week or so to do that. And that's why I said, big man, if you're there, come into my life. That did happen in a much, a really, really powerful way. It did come into my life, and it's changed me ever since. It's, it's home, you know, it's home. I'm not perfect, I'm not there. I lost this feeling that, I'm, that I'll speak about. Yeah, Karen, you going to say something? I was going to say, how did it come into your life? What did you experience? Just after... He said that and I went home and done the prayer. Uh, the next night or a couple of nights later, he brought me home and he said, do you want to do some meditation, Gavin? And I was like, aye. But I had never tried that. So he says, right, lie down in the bed. So I lay down in the bed and I had uh, an artist called Mike Oldfield playing in the background, Tubular Bells. And he came me through this meditation from my toes um, tightening my toes up, relaxing them. Tighten my toes up, relaxing them. And then from my toes to the sole of my foot, to the sole of my foot to my ankle, just like that, all the way up my body, relax, tightening up and relaxing. So after about half an hour of doing this, there was a feeling that I got that was about 10 inches, well, yeah, about 10 inches Above my body, my body felt like a rock. It felt solid and dense. But this this buzzing, it was like a buzzing that was above me about 10 inches. And by this time, I'm totally, totally sober. And all of a sudden, I could see myself up in the corner of the room. 
and I was looking down on myself and I jumped up with so much excitement. I was wow, this is amazing. And I told them what had happened. So you had an out-of-body experience and when you got yeah. excited, did that bring you back into your body? Like, oh, straight away, straight away. Straight away. So you found a, yourself up on bang. the ceiling looking down yeah. at your body and then when you went, whoa, that excitement like propelled you back into your body. I jumped up. I don't know if it propelled myself into the body. But your body jumped up. When you jumped up, you jumped up in your body. You were back in your body. Yeah. Yeah. I knew nothing about astral or anything. The only thing I knew about astral was um, through a band called the Moody Blues. Now, these were a happy 60 band, and that's what kind of they taught me more about my my life than anything has done um, over the years. A week or so, could have been a couple of days, a friend come to the door, and I hadn't dreamed the night before, and he come to the door, and as I was telling him this dream about um, this hawk that come down and sat in that post, and I was saying, it sat in that post, and then it sat, and as I was saying that, the hawk, the bar, the bird, yes. As I was saying that to him, a hawk, the cock come down, and done exactly what I had said to him. And I was like, wow, I can remember it. And that was something special. I can tell you and say, well, there's no facts in that. That's me. That's my personal experiences. But they did happen. As far as I'm concerned, they did happen. Whether I was sleeping and I was dreaming, a dream of dreaming. I've no idea. Um, but it was a special experience. From there, uh, that's when I started to get well. That's when I started to experience this God in my life. Just by doing some readings and working on a program of action, the 12 Steps Alcoholics Anonymous, but the readings come before that for me. You know, I had to prepare myself for this, and as I was preparing myself for the steps, before I knew it, I was halfway through the steps. I did a share. I had to cleanse out my system. I had to get rid of all this resentments and defects of character that was in me. So I shared all this with somebody. Everything. Every single thing you can think of from silly wee things to sexual things, my full history, my full uh, being come out at that time. And wow, within a couple of weeks that happened, I felt I was two to four inches taller. I spoke more properly. I became things that people were put in my place. As I said, with these readings reading up to that, these built up um, synchronicities that led me on to saying, right, okay, I can put all the stuff down here that I need to because I believe in something's happening here. And I did that and I shared this. And it was hard, don't get me wrong, but I was a young, I was only 20, so I didn't have much blocked up and stuff running about in my life. All I had was said to you. Oh, God, I, I, can't, I cannot explain how beautiful and perfect this is. Uh, what I can say is it was like the masculine and feminine side of me joined together and my ego was gone you know everything that built up my life until that point was all ego and i could see it when i went through the through the past in my life through the program i could see all the dirt or the crap this was as beautiful as i can remember coming out the house and walking along along the street and there was a lady come up. It was a beautiful, shiny day. The sun was out, lovely. There was a lady across the road, and she had tall, high-heeled orange boots, an orange miniskirt, an orange boot tube, if you know what that is. It just basically hides a lady's breast, basically. And a big 60s beehive haircut, orange. So everything was orange. And I thought, wow, look at the state of that. 
But before I got to, wow, look at this. Before I got that out, a darkness seemed to come over the sun. And I looked up and the darkness, there wasn't any clouds passing it. A darkness and came it, over the sun, did you say? Yeah, but when I looked up, there wasn't any clouds at all. There was none at all. And as soon as I said, oh, sorry, big man, the light come on back on. It was so precious. It's so like, it's a split. It's not even a second between the right or the wrong answer. What do you think that meant for you? That meant I was so close to my higher power that there's a lot went on in this area that I, I'm not putting in here. I've not got time to, but what that meant was, to me, I was walking in the spirit, or no, should I say, the spirit was walking in me. No, I became, I didn't know what I became then, but now I believe I became enlightened, that's definite. And possibly I felt ascension, which to me I did. Now I look back on it and what I've learned and studied over the years, um, I would say that was a type of ascension that I went through because I wasn't me. I was something completely different and it was so beautiful. I can't, as I said, I can't explain it. I, I, when I worked on myself with, these, with the program, as I was saying, the masculine feminine side just seemed to come together and my ego dropped. And it, what I was told, your ego's not a bad thing, Gary. You can't kill your ego because all that shit that you've went through, Gary, you put it in a wee bag and stick it out of your shoulder and see if anybody ever needs help. You've got that to go into your bag and say, here, I've done this or I've done that. I've made amends for the past, but I don't get ready. I remember what I've done and where I've come from. You know, as I say, it was such a beautiful experience. It was, to me, it is to me the most powerful thing I've ever, ever felt in my life. I still didn't get a name for it, yeah. So you had this experience of bliss and feeling your higher power from reading some material in the AA program, is that what you're saying? Yes, and, and, work, and, and working with another alcoholic to do that. And, and working with a, a, a guide, someone with the AA guides. And you had the out-of-body experience and you did some meditation. Did the experience of feeling that connection to your higher power, did that come on gradually or did it come on when you had the out-of-body experience? Like, Well, the out-of-body experience to me was just another part of my journey. I have not linked the two of them together until now um, using the synchronicities that I've got. But no, it wasn't, uh, at that time it wasn't, it didn't seem part of it. So these were different things for me. It was just, Things were happening, but when I went through this program, and as I say, as I felt two inch, four inch taller, um, that's when I become aware that I was, I was in, I was becoming something special. I didn't even know it was special. It was the only way I could describe it at the time was it was brilliant, and that was it. I wouldn't say it was blessed. I wouldn't, because I didn't know anything about these names or anything like that. It was just a brilliant thing to happen. And obviously, I didn't know God or any God. So, I mean, this was a God in my understanding. And I don't have any religious, as I say, I don't have any religious preferences or any. I've went through them all. I've went through a lot over the years. Uh, to find this same, this same place, this love, this oneness, this wholeness within me. And Gavin, does that remain today? So this happened in your twenties, mm, right? Yeah. Right. What had happened was, as I said, that was that was so so special. Um, but that's why I, I was asked. I, I thought I wouldn't be asked. There would be a feeling. If an 80-year-old woman was crossing that road and I had this feeling to go and take that woman off the road and even if I was going to die, if it was in front of a bus, I would have done it. Right. 
because I knew in myself that my higher power had put me here on this planet to do something like that because that woman at 80, her grandson might just click on to something she says, nothing about me, but something about the future, um, like, I hope you get on well with your life, son, and you keep doing what you're doing. So you felt the yeah. need when this higher power embodied you, you felt the need to be of service to others, regardless of your own personal, you know, yeah. life. I didn't have pain. a need. I didn't have a need. But you didn't have any needs. It, it was a case of I was that. I didn't need it. It was there. How old were you at the time? That was when I was 20. 20? Yeah. And did that have you maintained that feeling or did it happen for a short period of time and then? That was about uh, six weeks. That was, that was um, ongoing. And it, as the days passed by, the male synchronicities and the, I was just filled. For the next six weeks, I was just, as you say, blessed, yeah, walking. And I was in a, like a bubble. My bubble I love is how I call it. You know, that's brilliant feeling was a bubble I love. I had no other name for it. So you're in a um, bubble of love for six weeks. And, yeah. and did that get you off alcohol and drugs completely at that point? Yeah, yeah. And uh, what happened after six weeks? It was simple. I asked my God, my higher power, and I said, this feeling, this place I'm at, my higher power, I talked to him like a friend, you know, I, I asked for this feeling, this place that was lying inside me that had been through, and I said to him, I would love to take this and, and give it out to other people in a big way. And that wasn't nothing to do with ego. This was that special that I, I wanted to give it to everyone. And that gentle voice come in and says, Gavin, I'm going to take something special from your life and I'm going to put you back to sleep and I'll wake you up in the future and you'll get what's, what you've asked for. You know, during them, them days, what was in my mind at that point was to ask for an area within the likes of Druidry or witchcraft or you know because it, that's where I felt close to listening to bands like Enya, Clannad that really the, sense, the sensual feelings that I got from these bands were all about stone circles and such like so anyway I was, I was put back to sleep now I'm speaking a lot about this area of drugs and alcohol and stuff like that which is I was put back to sleep and I put myself and others through 22 years of hell. Oh, okay. So, okay. so you had six weeks of this bliss experience, this feeling completely connected, and then your guide came in to say, or guide or God or angel or whatever you want to call it, yeah. we're going to put you back to sleep and then we're going to wake you up later. And this is when you had asked to be able to share this experience with other people. I want to give this... Yeah feeling with everybody i want i want everyone to know how i feel and yeah. and then you went through 22 years of hell so you went back to being alcoholic and drugs and all that sort of thing oh, I just gently was put back on and the more i used the further away from alcoholics anonymous i got i knew it myself that aa was where i should be but i had started drinking taking drugs so i thought right I'm going to find this God thing that everyone, that I, I felt at that point. I'm a little confused. I'm just trying to get the timeline right. here. So six weeks of bliss, went back to sleep, started using and abusing, and then, what, 22 years later, you you said to yourself, oh, I've got to go back to AA. Is that what happened? No, no, no. no. Okay. I, I was 11 months before I lifted that first drink. But that, that place of bliss slowly, gradually disappeared from my life as the more alcohol and drugs that I took. 
as I say, 11 months when I wasn't going back to Alcoholics Anonymous again, I was away with the fairies, some would say. As I say, I went about the Catholic Church, the Gospel Hall, the Brethren Church, Church of the Latter-day Saints. A lot of places I went about looking for this God, and I, I spoke to priests and ministers, and, um, and not in one of these places or from one of these people did I get that same vibration, did I get that same feeling. They didn't know what I was talking about, basically. I tried to ask them what it was, and they would just give me names, like Jesus, Buddha, um, Krishna, whatever the case may be. And no, that wasn't that just wasn't clicking it with me because they didn't know what it was. I wanted to know if they knew what I was going through or what I'd went through, and none of them did. Anyway, I eventually ended up, as I say, I've always been a loner. And most of the, day 22 years from that point, day 22 years that I went through, I would, every, every year or couple of years, I would always put my foot back into Alcoholics Anonymous thing. This is it. I'm finished. I'll maybe get, this is where I'm at. I've got to get this now and that'll happen. But it didn't, it didn't happen for 22 years. During all this time, from not experiencing the good vibration that I had from any of these teachers, priests and ministers and such like, I was, I had a reading done where Alistair Crowley's uh, tarot deck, and from there I felt, I am, I'm going to follow this and see where it ends, see where it goes. So I went through 22 years of that as I was going along. And I went quite deep into some of the stuff. But before that, I had, st- I had went, right, I'm going to have to look into different cultures here to find out exactly what I had felt. And that's where I feel that, they, that I was ascended at that time. I ascended because it was the gurus and teachers like that. But I shoved by all the, the magical stuff, the ceremonial stuff, because that, that, that was the... That wasn't a part of this. I didn't have to. It was like back then, when I had that spiritual experience, I was rocketed into the fourth dimension, is how we put it. And it was. And no time I was there. I was up again, this, this demigod, or however you would like this. I don't like to say that, but that's the way I felt. That's the way I look back and I see it now, and I see the age of Aquarius coming in, and I see, I see the synchronicities there. Um, going through the occult, I learned a lot about other cultures and, and the belief structures and, you know, it was more the Western occultism that I looked at, um, a lot of the esoteric uh, studying that I'd done. I found what I was looking for within these um, different religions and uh, cultural case, basically, and that was love. At the bottom of it all was love. Now that was my concept and my higher power. And as I said, I passed, I bypassed all the, you know, ceremonial stuff and all that sort of stuff that would normally come beforehand, before you would reach this enlightened state. The Western occultism that I've looked at or I've studied, it gave me all the answers, but it didn't give me this feeling. It didn't give me this place. This place wasn't there. Okay, so what you were saying that during that twenty, those twenty-two years, you kept looking to refine that experience. So you yeah. went to priests and gurus, and you studied the occult, and you found some answers, but you didn't find the experience again. And yeah. what yeah. happened after the twenty-two years? Did that experience come back? Oh no. No. So you've never had I, that experience again since? Not yet. You know, not yet? As a, as a, as a yet. Um, yeah. God willing, I do get that back. But it's something that I'm sharing for this new age coming in to let people know that, hey, we can, we can get this. We can be part of God. We can all be one. Entity, you know, if that bubble of love that I was in at that point, I could have spread that out miles. It felt as if I could have just, 
I, I was protected, but at the same time, I could see love in the eyes of everyone I met. I could see the, you know, the loneliness, the sadness. I could see everything. It was, you know, it was a beautiful experience. Wow. After, so, Gavin, you had this for six weeks. Most mm-hmm. people, when they have this experience, they have that either in a near-death experience or in an out-of-body experience or they have it for like a nanosecond. But you, you yeah. had it for six weeks. That's, yeah. That's pretty cool. I felt, as I said, I felt so... I look back now and I can say that I felt so special back then but yet back then it was just brilliant as I said that's all in the words I could put to it this was brilliant what a brilliant feeling this was because I didn't have a name for God or anything like that so have you maintained have you maintained your meditation practice I never really meditated pardon I went I never meditated I went through the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, and then that's what happened. The meditation I went through uh, with my friend was really the the only meditation. I could have went through it myself many times. You only meditated that one time? Yeah, and And you came out of my body. And you came out of and you didn't meditate again? No, my meditation was usually made up of alcohol and drugs, and I can look back and see where that is linked to where I'm at, because I used to, what I, w- I was different for everyone else. You know, I'd sit cross-legged in the ground and I'd swing my body, shut my eyes and see and feel colours, you know, snaking around my back and up my arms and into my, you know, aura. And I, I find out that, just lately I found out that that's a big part of um, some cultural beliefs. Like. Kundalini awakening. So, Kevin, when you say you had that six, uh-huh. you had that six weeks of sleep and then and then you went back to sleep again or back to your default setting for 22 years. I was put back to sleep. Is that 22 years up to this moment? Like was there something that happened after that 22 years? Like um, when when did that sort of nightmarish 22 years stop? How long ago? That was in 2009. 2009. And what happened in 2009? I didn't want to be alive anymore. I had enough. This thing that I was looking for, my love that I was looking for, I just wasn't getting it. No matter what I'd done, where I went, what I tried, I wasn't getting it. And, uh, you know, these are words that I would not normally say. It's, it's not in my vocabulary. Like in mind this day, um, this morning, sitting with tablet bottles, wine bottles, I was knackered. I didn't want to be alive anymore. And I can mind the saying this, my higher power, why have you forsaken me? Within an hour of that, a friend comes to the door and he says, Gavin, alcoholics is still there for you. And from that moment, I knew I had to get back to alcohol. Because by that time, AA and everything, I just didn't care anymore. Yeah, I got back into Alcoholics Anonymous and I really got back in. I'd done a lot of service and um, doing 12-step work with people, taking out meetings and such like. And wow, I felt so, this is coming. I'm getting closer to this this, this place that I was. And, uh, well, 2011, I started to go up the hills for some reason. I t- started uh, smoking and taking speed at the time again. What happened was um, when I was in the, when I got that two years in the fellowship, it's absolutely beautiful. I was heading towards what I was looking for, Karen. Um, and after a friend that synchronicity here for um, later on, for I don't know what time I've got here. But my um, friend come and said to me one day, he says, Gavin, you want to go to Florida. He says, I'll pay your tickets. I'll get all your tickets and that. So beautiful. We went all about there. Every theme park you could think of, I went, we went there. That was absolutely amazing. We went to the Kennedy Space Centre and we got into the actual um, area where the Challenger spacecraft is. 
And that's so synchronistic to what happened up the hills. You know, as I say, I started going up the hills uh, about 2011 with a shamanic drum that had been given a couple of years beforehand. It was like, you know, the ceremonial stuff that I spoke about, the same with drumming and shamanic stuff. It was like, no, that's not what I'm... That's, I never had all that. I didn't need all that to reach this place of enlightenment, essential. But I had to come back through that. And I started, as I said, I took a bit of speed in a, a, a joint, basically. And I started to go up the hills. Let me just say, within a year or so of being gone up the hills, I, I spoke to my higher power and I was like, look, big man. What am I doing here? I should be doing there helping people get sober. But I asked, you've got to be careful what we ask for here. And I got it, you know. Uh, okay, so you started walking up the hills uh, when you were looking for um, some solace in your life, when you were looking to return to that feeling, and you started walking up the hills behind your house and what happened when you were communing with nature i didn't go up exactly i was i was guided up by my higher power i was up there looking for a staff you know um like a walking staff for about two weeks before christmas in 2012 i didn't get one and i'm i'm all day from the, the morning to the night i was getting my my higher power was coming in and saying, go up the hills, go up the hills. All day this went on. Now, it was pouring a rain, and it was damp, and it was horrible. And I thought, at half nine, I said, why? Why are you saying this to me? So by half eleven, I'm getting my socks and my shoes and my jacket on, and I'm away up the hills in this pouring rain. And I said to, the, I said to my God, listen, big man, I'm going out for five minutes and that's it. I'm getting back in the car. Now, me and, me and God, we can talk to each other like that. They usually laugh at me when I say things like that. I got out the motor and I walked. I walked along and up the top of the hill and I looked and there was two oak trees sitting. And I thought, it was, they were only small, maybe about 15 feet or so, that had sat in the hillside for oh God, a long, long time, many years. And I said to him, oh, even just a small one? And there was no branches or anything like that near or on the tree. I had been there before. Anyway, I thought, right, I'm going to go down this, this way to the car. So I kind of, there was like a small, small hill that went down to where the trees were. And I kind of got down to them and put my hands on them to get my balance. And as I'd done that, my foot knocked against a hot that was a like a, a hollow thud and I thought what is that and I went down and I pulled this big big massive wide uh, piece of oakwood and it was only maybe five feet tall I got a staff that was still attached to the, the base of the tree so it was three these oak trees coming out the one Anyway, I've got that, uh, I detached that, and I'm quite happy. I got down to the car, and I put it in the car, and as soon as I got in the car, I sat down and lit up, lit up a smoke, and as soon as I'd done that, there was a flash of the brightest light I've ever seen in my life come from up the top of the hill. I looked, and I was like, wow, that was something else. And then it happened again about 10, 15 seconds later. And there's a windmill that sits over in a farm just over the back. And I thought, that, that's maybe that windmill. Maybe it's sparking a bit. I'll go up and have a look. Anyway, I got out of the car and ran up to the top of the steps. And as soon as I got up to the top of the steps, I was looking towards I was looking towards this windmill that was beside Kilpapo Hill, the burial site. And all of a sudden, this lightning, come straight down and right across the sky. I was like, wow, that's, wow. And then just seconds later, it happened again. I was like, wow, this is, you know, this is out of this world. And then it went about 100 metres 
down that direction to the right and happened again. And then it, ha it happened several times right around about now. Now remember, and it's absolutely horrible, the, the rain and the, the dampness in the air was really. And I watched this lightning go. Now there is, um, there is a few um, fault lines that run up the hills and ley lines that run up the hills. But I didn't know this at the time. And as, I, as that finished, I looked and the damp I could see for miles. And I looked up and there was a massive round cloud. It must have been off 15, well, 10 mile in circumference, basically. And it was bubbling. It had a kind of, it was like a, a reticular cloud, they called them. But I was in the middle of it, so I could only see the orange light glowing round about the, the outside of it. And later on, I got to, well, there was the oak wood that I got. You know, I worked on it for about three months, and I, I thought, right, I'm going to go up the hill and thank the spirit to Ken Papel for this gift. So I went up in the same place. I got out of the car, and I walked up to the top of the steps at where I seen the lightning. And I don't do these sort of things, you know. It's no... It wasn't in my place to do this. Yeah? I thought you were going to say something there, Carla. No, no, no. Uh, we've spent quite a long time on your story, but we haven't really got to the crux of what you wanted to share today. But unfortunately, no. we've run out of time, Gavin. So no, basically no. what you wanted to share is when you're up on the hills behind your house, you had a lot of paranormal experiences where you saw entities and UFOs and lightning yes. and um is there anything that you wanted to say specifically about that um the area in 2012 uh was midnight um and the owls had these owls that came within within a nine-month period uh barn owls came to me i saw them in real life and each time they come to me was and at midnight zero 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 zero. From that, a friend of mine, we were over a golf course playing golf, and we sat doing a bit of drumming for oh maybe twenty minutes or so. And that's in the middle of the night. Remember, so about twenty past eleven was the last time I looked at my phone for the time. And at that some time later. The, the, an owl went by and squealed, and this is the first time I've ever heard this with somebody else. And I didn't even look at my phone. I was like that to my friend, or oh, that'll be midnight then. And I clicked the phone on, and it was zero, 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 zero. That itself was pretty profound, you know. That went, the people had done a midnight ceremony in a place called West, West Kennet Long Barrow, and that was exactly midnight I'd done this. And I put it on, I put it up on Facebook anyway, and there was somebody that come in and says, Gavel, there's over 80 orbs flying about you. And I'd had to go back into the video to have a look, and yeah, there was a lot of orbs coming about me. The orbs, I've been about me quite a lot. Um, the owls are still about me. They're flying about in the back garden pretty all the time. There's so, there's so much come out of where I have been um, over the last 12 years, uh, 14 years. It's not as easy to put it down in time to um, just the time I've had. I've spoken quite a lot about stuff that I wasn't going to speak about and uh, maybe got a bit carried away with some of the stuff Karen and I do apologise for that uh, but it was the paranormal experiences I was trying to get to to let people know that the age of I know we, here. we haven't got to the paranormal experiences well it's all in the book if people want to read about it right you put all your experiences in your book is there any yeah. message that you'd like to leave for people um, with all that, that you've been through, including the, you know, feeling the bliss of your connection to the divine or your higher self and losing that and then 
having these paranormal experiences and seeing UFOs and entities and orbs, what is it all meant to you? What, what message would you like to leave for people? God is with us. No matter what we do, no matter where we are or how we are, God is round about us. And all we need to do is ask. Is ask God to come into our life. And as soon as that happens for me, I become whole. I become one with the source energy, the creator energy that there is there for everyone is to tap into. That's a beautiful place to be. That's a beautiful message. That's a beautiful message. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And as I say, we didn't get to half of it, but it's all in your book if people want to read about Gavin's paranormal experiences up on the hill. And thank you again for sharing your story, Gavin. You're very welcome, Karen. Thank you very much for letting me on to the show. That was intense and long. I'm, I'm going to edit quite a lot of what he said out because like a lot of people do when sharing their stories, they share a lot of information that's not relevant to the point they're trying to make. It was the first time he's shared his experience and I was just chatting to him offline and uh, he said, I, I didn't really share what I wanted to share. And I said, well, what is it that you wanted to share? He said, all the paranormal experiences that happened to me up on the hills. And I said, okay, well, what did they mean to you, those paranormal experiences? And he said, well, actually, all the things that I've experienced, the shamanic drumming and the um, everything that he's done, he's been guided to do. I said, why don't you get back into meditation? Because he's looking to regain that experience he had when he was 20. He said, well, I haven't been guided to meditate. I said, okay, <laughs> maybe you're being guided now because I'm telling you. But he said all the paranormal experiences that he has had has been nothing compared to that experience he had when he was 20, when he was in that bliss state and feeling like he was completely one with, you know, source or our creator or the divine or a higher power or whatever you want to call it, and then feeling like he just wanted to be of service to others and having no desires within himself, no no wants, no needs, just feeling like he was here to be of service to others. He says nothing he's experienced since then compares to that experience. And it sounds like that he's been looking to regain that experience in 2012, all this sort of high strangeness started happening. Uh, but he he's completely guided. He's got his guides, you know, tapped into the guides talking to him or what he calls God talking to him. So, um, yeah, so that's a that's beautiful thing. But, uh, yes, hopefully you understood his accent. It was difficult to understand him. I was going to interject and cry and repeat what he was saying so people could understand him but hopefully you understood what he was saying first time he shared his experience it, it's not easy sharing your story because you're so involved in it you think that every little detail is important but it's not it's not just just the you've got to sort of bring it down to what it is that was important to you during that time what it meant to you how it changed you, how it transformed you, all the stuff like where you were, what you were wearing, <laughs> that stuff, people, we get into all these details. Anyway, tell me what you thought about that, please. I'd like to know what you got out of that conversation. And, um, yeah, amazing experience that he had when he was 20. Amazing experience. I think to myself, that bliss state, is the default setting for higher civilizations, for people that live in different category planets, that that ego part of us keeps us rooted in fear and striving and wanting and desiring and feeling unfulfilled and needing and all those, all those experiences we have as humans. Resentment, as he said. Interesting how he explained becoming an alcoholic he saw alcohol, he equated alcohol with good times, fun times. Oh, give me some of that. People are happy. That's going to make me happy. And then when he was denied that, he felt the resentment. You're not going to give me alcohol when he was a teenager or when he asked his parents for a beer. And so that set him on that path of, I want a good time and this is going to bring it to me and I resent you for not giving it to me. Yeah, all that resentment, that's where we live in as our default settings. Most humans are living in resentment and want and desire and that bliss state that he was in was completely outside 
of that state of need and wanting and just feeling that bliss and then wanting to give that to others, being of service. It's interesting. I I equate his experience to Byron Katie, you know, when she had her, the cockroach crawled over her foot and she had her, I call it her in-body near-death experience, which she woke up in an altered state. I, I equate it to that, that altered state. But in higher civilizations, that's how they all feel. They all have that default setting. So if we all felt like that all the time, imagine a world where everyone felt bliss, no need to want or get anything from anyone, and we all wanted to be of service to each other. Imagine a world like that. What Imagine it's, it, what could be achieved. What could be achieved? Hmm. Yeah. As I think of higher civilizations, other planets, you know, they live in this utopian societies where everything, everything, every need, every want is fulfilled. And so what do they do with their lives? They reach out to other planets like ours, like Earth, that are struggling in the mire, struggling with fear and war and, you know, hate and all that stuff. And they reach out to other civilizations and they extend their wisdom and help to other planets and other worlds. Yeah. What are you going to do with your life? That bliss experience. Yeah. All right. So Cecil Adronis Carlson is coming in this weekend to the Inner Sanctum. I'm doing it earlier this month because it is the silly season month and people get busy towards the end of the month. So normally I do the guest speakers in the middle of the month, but I'm doing it earlier this month with Cecil. She was a longtime member of our Inner Sanctum and um, set on her path of being a healer she goes down to Peru and does a lot of ayahuasca ceremonies she has has an amazing spiritual awakening experiences somewhat similar to Gavin's actually that that same experience of love I think I said she was in Sweden but she's actually in Norway I forget where people are (laughs) in the world so she's going to stay up late and talk to us this weekend so I hope you can join us And I look forward to seeing you again next time. And remember to check out the book Awakened by Death if you haven't already. And I will see you next time. Big love. Bye for now. 